just this past week, I received many, many phone calls, many, many emails from people who are deeply distressed over the fact that Trader Joe's has changed their chocolate chips from OK Pariv to OK D. They are now going to bear a dairy uh, sign on the package of the semi-sweet chocolate chips. And apparently, this is a very big problem for, for people who bake kosher food, because if you want to bake a chocolate chip cookie or a chocolate chip cake for after a Shabbos meal, and your Shabbos meal involves fleshigs, so uh, it's uh, the only reasonably good chocolate chip on the market is the Trader Joe's semi-sweet chocolate chip. From an article in jewishjournal.com, um, they explain to us exactly why it's such a big deal, and it says that um, the uh, chocolate manufacturing requires cocoa butter and cocoa, but those are expensive ingredients when not purchased in massive volumes. And small kosher brands know their consumers aren't willing to pay what it would cost to produce premium chocolate chips. So most Heimischer brands use fillers and synthetic flavorings and rely on the fact that they have a captive audience. They're clearly making inferior chocolate. They often can't even legally call it chocolate. It's called chocolate-flavored chips. But Trader Joe's is, because it's a much larger company and they're able to make so much, make it so much more bulk, they're able to make genuine chocolate chips, and therefore their chocolate chips are much, much better. And apparently, just to give you a sense of the emotion that people are expressing about this, in this article it says, it's just really sad, said a woman from Beverly Wood, a mother of four who bought 20 bags of chocolate chips at Trader Joe's in West Hollywood. It means that I'll have to use bitter chocolate chips in my cookies, and it means I'll have to pay more for my chocolate chips. It wouldn't be such a big deal if the kosher brand chocolate chips were better. And apparently this is something that has uh, caused a major run on Trader Joe chocolate chips. There were people that were buying 20 bags, 80 bags, 100 bags. The article records that there were people buying, I think it was up to 100 and, uh, and, and what was it, 170 bags to cover them for the next few months. That's the quote. I'm not sure why they need 170 bags for a few months. But whatever it is, they were buying a lot, a lot of chocolate chips because this was something they were very nervous about. So what's the Matthias? What exactly happened over here? Are the semi-sweet chocolate chips, in fact, now dairy and therefore uh, forbidden to be used? So the article explains, and I just want to give a disclaimer, anything I'm saying right now is lahalacha halacha because unless I have a, a, a thorough knowledge and understanding uh, of exactly how it works, and I'm not just relying on an internet article, I can't really say for certain that my understanding of the Matthias is correct. Hopefully my understanding of the halacha is correct, but I'm not certain that my understanding of the Matthias is correct. But I'll describe to you the way the Matthias is explained over here. Trader Joe's issued a statement that the ingredients of their semi-sweet chocolate chips have not changed one bit. The machinery that they make it on has not changed at all and is dedicated only to making semi-sweet chocolate chips. So it is not what we would call DE, dairy equipment. There are a lot of things on the market that say D, but in fact we know they are only DE and therefore may be eaten after a fleshing meal, although not together with a fleshing meal. Most famously amongst them, Oreos cookies and uh, Haagen-Dazs sorbet. Those things are, they say D, but they are in fact are, at least uh, last time I checked, are DE. Could change at any moment and we wouldn't know, but those things are, uh, are, are usually DE and not D. This is not DE. It's not made on, on milking machinery either. So what is the concern? So the OK explained in a statement that the monitoring of the level of separation between Parv and Dairy is no longer sufficient to meet the requirements of OK Parv. In other words, they say that there's no way for them to be able to guarantee 
that there aren't errant milk chocolate chips in the semi-sweet bags. The problem is in the packaging. When they're packaging the chocolate chips, there's a concern, a possibility that every once in a while, a milk chocolate chip will end up in a part of chocolate chip bag, in a semi-sweet chocolate chip bag. And therefore, as a responsible cautious organization, the OK would never label something as pariv if they weren't absolutely certain that the entire ingredients of that package were, were pariv. That is a general halacha in uh, giving of kashas, not halacha, but a general policy in kashas organizations that they never rely on bittel to give a hashkachav. Let's say you have a company that puts in just a tiny drop of chazer shmelt into all of their cookies, even though it's bottle b'shishim, the chazer shmelt is bottle b'shishim, you will never find such a cookie with an OU, an OK, a chavke, or any of the other, a starke, any of the other major reliable uh, hashkachos because there is a concept called in Shulchan Aruch, Ein Mevat Nisal Chachilasim Tzaditas Sif Hei in Yeridea, that if one is not permitted to be mevatel and iser on purpose, and when we're giving hashkacha, it's our way of certifying that everything was done kedasu kedin, and we are not mevatel any iser um, in the making of this product. There is no usher ingredients whatso- whatsoever. Um, the uh, the halacha is if someone was mevatel and iser then uh, then it's usher for the person who was mevatel the iser as well as for the person who the iser was 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 uh, was was mevatel for who they were mevatel the iser for, and since the company is being mevatel the for all of their customers, and if it has an OU on it, they're being vatalit for all of their kosher consumers, so it would be usher for one to eat such a food that had bitl iser. Now over here, it's important to point out, we are talking about heter. We are not talking about iser. Plus, there is no issue of bitl iser l'chadchila over here, because they aren't actually being mevatel an iser. Being mevatel an iser means purposely putting in the chazashmalt into the, into the soup. Not if it accidentally falls into or into the cookie. Not if it accidentally falls into the cookie. That would not be a violation of Ein Mavatlin. It is clear that they do not intend to actually have milk and chocolate chips go in their part of chocolate chip bags, but that sometimes a mistake might happen where a milk and chocolate chip or two may end up in a chocolate chip bag. So that order would not be an issue of, even if it were an issue of Isser, would not be an issue of Ein Mavatlin Isser L'Chadchila. So the, um, the, the, the most basic reason why I think there's a lot of reason to be makele over here, if, if my understanding of the is correct, to have chocolate chip cookies made with Trader Joe's chocolate chips after a fleshing meal, or as the article describes, after a typical Shabbat meal of, what did it say, grilled chicken, roasted vegetables, and quinoa salad, the greatest raya that the article has written in California, the, uh, the, the no, no chalant, no potato kugel, very health-conscious article, but uh, the, the, there are many rayas, that I, many reasons that I think it's perhaps still permissible to eat these chocolate chips after a fledgling meal. Let's, let's start with the, the basics. What kind of isra are we dealing with over here? Are we dealing with isra darabadon or isra daraisa? So the halacha clearly is that in order for something to be basa b'chalad midaraisa, Torah says, l'osvashel g'diba chalevi mo three times, in the Gemara Darshan's derech bishel asra Torah, that something is only asra as basa b'chalad midaraisa, if it is derech bishel, if you have cooked milk and meat together, they have to have been cooked together in order for it to be basa b'chalad midaraisa. Now, to eat milk and meat in the same meal is asra midarabanan, according to all of the shitos in Yardea, Simon Peites, all the shitos that are quoted from Rishonim, that you're not allowed to eat Eat, uh, how long you have to wait after eating inflation before eating milchig? Shulchan Aruch calls you have to wait six hours. The Ramah says meikra din really just another suuda. You have to wait till the next suuda. And the minig is based on the Zohar to wait 
one hour, the Ramah says, and then he says at the end, many are knowing to wait six hours anyway, but all of that, that minimally, it's got to be another su'uda. If it's not even another su'uda, then we're talking about din, we're not only talking about minhag. So it seems that we're dealing with a din, but a din mitrabanan. The general rule is when you have a suffix on a din drabanan, suffix drabanan, lakula. If you, are, you have a bag of chocolate chips that went to make chocolate chip cookies, and you are not sure if that bag had any milk and chocolate chips that might have gotten mixed in, I don't know what the percentages are, but let's assume for the sake of argument that it's in the realm of suffix, that it's not a rove, that it's only a suffix, whether there are any milk and chocolate chips mixed in. On the very simple level, it would seem that you have suffix drabanan lakula. Now, we do not say suffix drabanan lakula on a davashesh lamatirin, on something that if you were to just wait a little bit longer, it would become mutter. So um, th- there is room to argue that, for instance, let's say I'm not sure if I've waited six hours since I last ate flesh and I have a, a real milk and, uh, chocolate bar, or I have coffee with milk in it, am I allowed to drink that coffee if I'm not sure if it has been six hours? So on the one hand, you'd say, Savik Rabbanon, Lakula. There are those that argue, though, that no, maybe this is a Dover Shiesh Lomatir. I think the Adafrayim in the Sadr Shulchanar talks about this. I, I forgot to look it up. A Dover Shiesh Lomatir, because after all, if you just wait another little while, so then it's going to uh, become, it's going to become Mutter. So maybe you should have to wait a little while till it becomes Mutter. So uh, I heard from Rabbi Ginak, um, Shlita, that uh, maybe you could argue that this does not fit the, the definition of Matirin. The smart of Matirin is, why would you have it while it's usher? Just wait a little bit longer, it'll become mutter, and you will not have lost anything. It will be mutter if you wait a little bit longer. But when you're dealing with eating milchigs, I'm not talking about this cheftza, this object of milchigs. I'm talking about my heter to eat something milchig. Well, waiting a little bit longer, yes, it will then become mutter for, for me to eat milchigs, but I, I still lost out on the opportunity to eat milchigs at this moment. Meaning, when it's something that I'm only going to eat once, it's about the chefts, it's about the object, it's about will I eat this now, will I eat it later, either way I'm only going to eat it once, so then we'll say, might as well eat it later. But if you ever talk about milchigs in general, I'm never going to eat all the milchigs in the world, but I want to eat milchigs now, and maybe I want to eat milchigs later also. So it's not that I don't, I do lose something by waiting a little bit. So maybe doesn't apply to waiting between milchigs and fleshigs. So what about, okay, so on the Pasha level, you have Savik Rabban and Lakula, but even more than that, there is a halacha in Shulchan Aruch called Bittol. If uh, you have two items that are Yavesh Yavesh, that are two dry items that are mixed together, Yavesh Yavesh doesn't have to be dry, it could be two cups of milk, one from a trefa cow and one from a, a kosher cow, or let's say three cups of milk, two from a kosher cow, one from a trefa cow, but you don't mix the, you know, the contents of the cup with each other, you just have three cups, even though the milk itself is wet, Yavish Yavish means that the 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 tarovis doesn't all become one entity. It doesn't become one unit. Lach belach would be when it becomes one unit, like when you pour a little milk into chicken soup and it gets all mixed in the chicken soup. So what happens when you have tarovis of yavish biyavish? Shulchan Aruch says min b'mina yavish biyavish is chad betray batel. That if you have a, if you have two kosher for every one and non kosher, it becomes batel and it's therefore mutter to eat them. The uh, there is a machlokas rishonim whether if you have one cup of uh, trefa milk and two cups of kosher milk, can you drink all three cups of milk or do you have to give them three cups of milk to different people? Do you have to throw out one of the cups? Can you drink all three at the same time? Okay, major discussion, Rishonim, but Pasha Pshat, there is Bittal. And again, over here, we're not dealing with Isser. We're dealing with Heter. It's milchig, kosher, chocolate chip. It seems that it would certainly, 
be batel in a tarovas yavish biyavish, and once you bake it, it's now in a tarovas of lach belach, because now it's giving flavor. And as long as there are sixty times to the uh, to the one, that would be mevatel tarovas of lach belach. Now the truth is, once it's already batel yavish biyavish, you don't even need. The 60 times when you bake it, but you probably have that anyway. There's so many chocolate chips in the bag, and even if one milchig one snuck into your package, even outside of Suffolk that it snuck into your package, it has already become batel anyway. Someone asked on Friday, what about a, the concept of beria, that if you have an entire unit of something, can't become batel? It is very clear that this is not a beria. The halacha of beria is that uh, that if you have something that a Kodesh Baruch Hu made, like an entire bug, or an entire Gid Anosha, or an entire Aver Menachai, so it can't become Batel. But the, the uh, many Rishonim hold, Barry is only something that once was alive. Other Rishonim say, no, it doesn't, have, it doesn't have to have once been alive, but it has to at least be something that God made whole, like an entire grape, an entire kernel of wheat. That's when you would say something is a beria and does not become batel. But something that we make when we fashion to look like a chip, that does not that does not take on the status of a beria at all. It is certainly not a chaticha ruyeluskabe. That would be something that you would serve to somebody else. So it seems that there is a significant. Um, reason to assume that even if there were one or two chocolate chips in each uh, that were milchig in each of the chocolate chip bags, it would be batel. It does not seem to be a violation because again, the whole thing is an accident. It's not something that they're eager to have happen. So la halacha, but again, it would seem that there should be no problem with having these, these uh, chocolate chip cookies after a flesh meal. Not to probably, maybe not to melt them on your, uh, on your meat, but uh, well, okay, uh, you wouldn't do that anyway, but certainly not to, that, that it would seem that halachically it would be permissible to have them after a uh, fleshing meal. The way I understand it is they're already working on fixing the problem anyway, and by the time any of us, uh, any of this becomes lemaisa, and uh, we run out of our power of chocolate chips, they probably will have found a new manufacturer already who's going to make them uh, power of according to the OK standards, and everything will be good, and this will just be another uh, blip on the screen of uh, kashros in Jewish history, like the great Stelladoro threat of 2003 when the Stelladoro cookies were uh, almost almost became milchigs until the great outcry that uh, that we managed to uh, to save it Baruch Hashem. Okay. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.